Very well done. Thank you. All right, now back to uh, Dana. Dana. Come on, ladies. Can I sit down and do it? Sexers, are you doing squats? Yes, I do, actually. So, yes. Okay, hi, everybody. Dana Alcoholic. Um, okay, um, sobriety date, September 28, 2003. Um, so grateful for that. I have a sponsor. She has 35 years. Um, I have a mentor, um, Les. He has 45 plus. How many years do you have? <laughs> However many. Um, and then I have uh, sponsees, um, and uh, I have a wonderful husband um, who supports me in this program. Um, I'm supposed to say, I'm supposed to tell you what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. So I'm going to tell you really quick what it was like. I. Um, my first drunk was right here. Where's the women's club? Right there. Um, I um, went to Glendora. I grew up in Glendora after the age of 10. Um, I went to Sutherland Elementary, Goddard Junior High, Glendora High School, and Citrus College. Um, and I had my first drunk on the last day of ninth grade at Goddard Junior High School. Um, I went and um, uh, snuck out of school, we did ditch, and we went to Chris McAllis' house, I'm sorry if I broke your anonymity, and um, we raided her dad's liquor cabinet. And um, I loved um, how I felt, I finally felt comfortable in my skin. I remember we had a dance here at the women's club, and I came over and um, I just had the best time, and I wanted to feel like that forever. Um, and so um, that just kind of started, um, when I was 12, and I graduated to alcohol and powder form when I was 21, and um, did that until I was 28, and um, wound up in the emergency room several times. Um, by that time, I was down in San Diego, and the emergency room doctors knew me by name, and I'm not proud of that, but it is part of my story. Um, by the grace of God, seriously, and I did not understand God when I came into this program, um, and if I, if there was a God, if he didn't like me, he didn't want anything to do with me because that's basically the way I thought about God. Um, I'm very grateful that that has changed immensely in the last 19 years. Um, but I'll talk more about what it's like now. Um, so, um, I, I got, this is the only way I can explain it. So I just explain it this way. Um, I weighed about a hundred pounds sopping wet because of course, you don't eat or do anything but drink and, and everything at that point in time in my life. I was 28. And um, I got cellulite on my legs. Um, and I asked my roommate at the time, who's still a friend of mine, what do you do if you get cellulite on your legs? And she said, you run. And you put that thought into an alcoholic's head and you put it into the queue. And immediately, I decided that I was going to start running. And literally, the first day, I could only run a block, but by the end of the week, I was running five miles and then 10 miles because, again, I do everything alcoholically. I found that out. Um, but because of that, I was able to slowly get off the alcohol in powder form because I could not do that and run um, because it would keep me up all night, and I loved to run early in the morning at the beach. Um, but I kept the alcohol in liquor form, and um, then I met him. And um, and him um, became my higher power at 31, and um, he didn't like the way I drank, so I immediately quit drinking. 
and you don't do that um, when that's your only coping mechanism and you're an alcoholic. But I did, and um, I started having severe panic attacks, which turned into panic disorder, and um, I could barely function um, because I stopped self-medicating myself, and so I just went into all these different you know, um, self-help groups and psychiatrists and psychologists and biofeedback, and I tried all of that. Um, we got married when I was 35, and um, I had our first daughter when I was 36, and I thought the spell was broken and I could drink again. So after my daughter was nine months old, I picked up a drink again. And he's a normie. We hate him. Um, and um, he, can take, he can have two drinks and put, the, put it down. Um, so I tried that for about a year or so. <laughs> that didn't work very well. Um, but then I just started hiding it. And, um, you know, again, I'm as sick as my secrets, I found out. And, um, you know, again, he was doing his own thing. And so we were, you know, two really good um, broken people together. And then we had our second daughter, and that's when my alcoholism really took off. Um, I, um, after she was two months old, um, I picked up a drink again because I didn't drink when I was pregnant with her. But when she was two months, I picked up a drink and I could not stop after that. And it got really scary. Um, I'm very grateful. What, um, happened, um, what happened was um, it got really bad and um, he didn't know what to do. Um, and one day I actually was sitting in my office drinking uh, at 11 o'clock in the morning and um, and I was working and I was trying to care for our kids and I was making everything on the outside look like it was good and I was just totally torn up on the inside every moment of every day and um, I read an article of all things in the newspaper what's that um, and it was an Ann Landers column and it's had the 20 questions of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I was so excited because I answered yes to 13 of them. And then I found out that was not good. And um, so, needless to say, after, um, oh, really quickly, in my 20s, I was introduced to the rooms, but you all had the problem, by the way. I did not have a problem. And so I was introduced to the rooms and I didn't want what you have. So um, on September 28th, 2003, um, well before that, I had found out there was an AA meeting down the street from my house in Pasadena. I went on a Thursday night, I walked in scared to death, I was shaking like a leaf, and yes, you can bark at me. And I walked into a room of a hundred men that were having a men's meeting at the church. And I looked around the room and I thought, okay, this, whatever this is, I don't want this. But they were so lovely, they were so wonderful, and they said, there's a meeting across the street at Victory Park at noon, um, and it's co-ed, so you might want to try that. So on September 28th, I walked into the rooms, and I did not meet um, Les, and I, I don't, don't remember meeting him the first day, and of course the first day I was there, um, I sat at the back of the park. And when they asked if anybody else wanted to share, I raised, the only thing I said, and I didn't even raise my hand, I said, I listened to everybody and I said, well, what you guys say kind of makes sense, but I don't think I'm like you. Ugh. And so terminally unique. And, but he, somebody told me to come back the next day. And I did come back the next day. And then after that, I met Les, I think on Wednesday, and he handed me 
a big book. And I said, what do I do with this? And he said, you read the first 164 pages, and when you're done, you read it again. And I don't know why, but I just listened to him. My husband was in India at the time, and I was sitting at home with our two daughters who were four and eight at the time, who I'd been picking up from their little school in Arcadia, drunk as shit at three o'clock in the afternoon, and with my foot on the brake while I'm in the car line, just like I could have taken out the whole school. Um, by the grace of God, that never happened. I got sober. Um, so when he started talking, I, I, I just, when he shared, I could identify with what he was talking about. And I, that's the first time in my life I had ever, ever, ever been wanting to listen and learn from someone. And um, he talked a lot about when he had panic attacks and how he used to drive his freeway, the 210 freeway, and he would, when he got caught in traffic, he would jump out of his car into the bushes. And I had done that. And I was like, how does anybody know that I do that shit too? You know? And so he and I started talking, and he said, you know, he kept suggesting that I get a sponsor, and I'm just a really good alcoholic, and I don't take um, suggestions very well. And so I said, well, I'm coming to meetings every day, so I don't need a sponsor. Well, I'm here to tell you at five and a half months, I woke up in the morning at five and a half months sober, and I wanted to drink so bad I could not stand it. And I went to my neighbor's house up the street, and I said, I'm done with this whole AA bullshit. I'm not doing this anymore. Let's go to the Beverly Hills Hotel. Let's party. And thank God, and I do, that she wasn't ready yet. She was still getting ready. And I said, where's the wine? And she said, it's in the refrigerator. Go pour yourself a glass. And I walked in, and I opened up that refrigerator door, and I looked at that bottle of wine, and I heard his voice. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. He said, you know, you will have no defense against the first drink. And I went, damn it, he's right. I'm an alcoholic. And I finally admitted at 44 years old that I was an alcoholic. And I am so grateful because that's when my life changed. And it changed exponentially. And I got a sponsor. And I started doing the steps. I hated it. Um, <laughs> I would cry. Um, I totally lost my mind. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, they had put me on Paxil back in 2000. And no, after we got married in 1995, because I was a lunatic. And so um, they put me on Paxil. So I just drank and took Paxil and, um, and um, Xanax. And that was really fun, Bill Nye, the science guy. Um, well, it was the guys at the park were saying, you might want to talk to your doctor about getting off the Paxil. And so I said, okay, I'll try it. And so at 19 months sober, um, I crashed and burned um, because all the Paxil had gotten out of my system. And unfortunately, because I had done alcohol and powder form for so long, my, chem my brain chemistry had changed dramatically. So I didn't drink. Um, believe you me, I was on the floor of my psychiatrist's office, um, and then we were went to Palm Springs, and literally he was going to admit me to Betty Ford um, out there because I was insane. 
Um, luckily, the doctors and my sponsor and Les and my husband all kind of got together. And this is what I love about Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, we're community. We are family. He picked me up. They all picked me up. And I mean, they all picked me up. And I didn't have to go into a facility, um, but for two weeks I was basically agoraphobic at home and I couldn't come out of my house, but slowly I was able to start getting out and I'd never look back. Um, I honor the people, Jimmy knows, and I'm so happy to see you, Jimmy. I love you so much. So Jimmy cool. and I were at Victory Park together and we lost a really good friend in this program and I mean I've seen people come and go and they've taught me the litmus test. This is what I know about God. He doesn't ask for much, at least from me he doesn't. He asks for a relationship, not for religion. And that was one of the things that I was so hung up on with God is that I didn't want to go to church. I thought it was this horrible person. I had broken every commandment, and I didn't think, you know, it's like he was going to, like, smite me, and he was going to, like, you know, throw daggers at me. That's not my God. My God absolutely has held on to me my entire life. He has been there through everything that I put myself through because I am my worst enemy when I am drinking or using because it's all about me. That's the ism part of alcoholism, the I self me. And um, because of less, I learned about you. And I learned about how to be selfless. And, and I don't do it perfectly, but I do have sponsees. We all came through COVID together. Um, no one drank. Um, of me and my sponsees, and I'm so grateful for that. I know that I did nothing other than share my experience, strength, and hope, which is what I'm doing to you guys right now. I can't fix anybody, I'll, but I can carry this message, and I love carrying this message. This is what I know is my purpose in life now. I know my purpose was to have all the experiences that I had so that I could come and share with you that it's so much better here that life is so much better and I'm just so grateful that you asked me to share my experience strength and hope tonight and um, I just want to again say thank you to Les and thank you for my husband and thank you to AA um, I don't know what I do now. okay David. David is the next speaker David come on right up please turn it up David you're on Introducing David. David. Come on, let's give it up for David. Good evening and welcome. My name is David and I am an alcoholic. Hi, David. I'd like to uh, thank Les for asking me here. You know, he has been around a long time. In fact, he's been around so long that his sex inventory doubles for his gratitude list. You knew that was coming. Uh, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to uh, welcome the newcomers and all the chip takers and Dana. Happy birthday! Nineteen years. That's great. And where's our cook? Where, where? Carlos. Carlos did a great job. I really appreciate it. Right. You know. <clears throat> I have a lot of friends here, and they should be here any time now, but uh, 
You know, Alcoholics Anonymous is, is like you heard, is a family. It's a, you know, I have relationships now and friends. And, you know, my life wasn't always like that. I, um. Can you raise your mic a little bit? Okay. <laughs> I grew up in Phoenix, single mom, no money, and um, my parents had moved out to Phoenix because their parents <coughs> poked their nose into their relationship too much. And so I grew up without anyone around me, you know, relative-wise. And so I just hung with my family and, um, you know, a lot of things happened when I was young. like. I had a little brother and we were out playing in the street because that's where you play when you're poor. And he got hit and killed by a car. And from that day on, I was done with God. You know, because what, what God would do that? And you know, my father, he was a minister when he had been around. And my mother was big in the church. And all that didn't save my little brother. And so, you know, I have had a problem with God from the time I was in the fifth grade. And to be honest with you, I've made some progress. I go from atheist, agnostic, and back and forth. And, um, you know, some days I make better progress than others. But it doesn't really, you know, it's... What I've come to understand about God is there is one and I'm not it. It says either there is a God or there isn't. And I've come become comfortable that, you know, there is a God. I just have a distant relationship, to be honest with you. And that's been going on for decades in this program. And, you know... My relationship with God is complicated. There's times that um, I don't want to talk about God because I get mad at Him. And then there's times I rely on Him. And there's sometimes I just flat out ignore Him. And, you know, that's just the way it is. I'm not saying that, um, you know, my way is the right way. I don't know that there is a right way or wrong way. But I just know that's what happened in my life. And I can remember growing up poor. My dad had divorced my mother and moved out to California with a younger woman. And um, he drove a Mercedes-Benz sports car. He wore these suits that changed colors when he walked. And he had alligator shoes. That was my higher power. Money, property, and prestige. When you don't have any of it, it looks very good. And, you know, I don't know when I crossed over that line of alcoholism. But I do know that um, I like the attention that I got from having stuff. That was important to me, even into sobriety. And um, I uh, can remember, you know, our, my first drink. I was in, lived in Canoga Park, and 
Tony Peel. He's a normie. I can use his last name. He and I went to a, a housing development in Calabasas, real nice house, and we stole a bottle of wine out of this model home. And I can remember we drank that bottle of wine, and well, the closest I can describe this, I was listening uh, to my playlist the other day, and there was a song, Oh What a Night. It's about some guy who meets a girl, and Oh What a Night. Liz knows what I'm talking about. She's already over there. And Actually, it was like, not a girl, it was alcohol. You know, oh, what a drink. And I remember Tony got sick and was throwing up on the side of the road, and a policeman pulled up and asked what was going on. I, I you know, clever guy, you know, this is a bad situation. I saw a movie theater and said, oh, he had too much candy at the movie theater, but he'll be okay. Well, Tony could see this wasn't flying very well, so he jumped in and says, Officer, will you take me home? I'm drunk. And what happened was the officer took Tony to jail, or juvenile hall, and they sent me home. So what I really learned, I learned that tell the truth, you go to jail, you lie, you go home. <laughs> Whoa, this is really important, good knowledge, Good stuff to know. And uh, I can remember I had to go home and tell our parents. And I doubt it happened like this, but this is the way I remember it. I walked in, walked up to the bar, poured a drink, and they were already standing there with their drinks. And I walked up and took a slug and said, Tony's in the clink, we gotta go spring him. <laughs> now, I know that didn't happen, but that's what happened in my head. You know? and. I, I didn't really face any repercussions from any of that. Now, my drinking, let's fast forward to my last drink. I'm 30 years old. I do what all real men do when they are down on their luck. I went home to my mother. <laughs> and I can remember she lived in Phoenix. And... Um, I had gone there and gotten drunk, and then the next day I had gone in to buy some more alcohol to get drunk again. But a funny thing happened, they wouldn't sell it to me because it was an election day, and in Arizona they don't sell alcohol on election days because of the Native Americans. I guess they, I don't know. And so I just, I remembered that it, it dawned on me that this, I need to come back. I was living in Riverside at the time, and you know, I called a man who was my sponsor, and uh, he's still my sponsor 37 years later, and he said he'd pick me up at the airport. I thought that was awfully nice. I found out later he happened to be going out on the plane I was coming in on, so that was convenient. But you know, I, it made me feel special. And I can remember, I, I work in the beauty industry, my hairdresser, and um, I worked with, uh, for a gentleman, and um, we used to drink at work, <coughs> among other things. But there was a bar right across the street, when, and you know, on Saturdays they didn't open till like five, so at two in the afternoon we'd go pound on the door and they'd open up and let us in. 
And uh, then a funny thing happened. He got sober in AA. And I'm like, well, dude, you know, what's up with that? And, you know, he, he was the person, the Eskimo that brought me into AA. And, you know, I repaid him by marrying his daughter when I was still drinking. <laughs> and she got that annulled. And I can remember calling my sponsor and I said, she's going to get an annulment. And he says, well, you know, that's good. That's, that's, that's a good idea. I'm like, no, no, no. I didn't. There's only certain reasons you can get an annulment, you know, and she was getting it on fraud. And I didn't commit fraud. And, and I told him, I said, you know, someday I might want to run for office and that'd be hanging over my head. How would I explain that? Well, I mean, if that is insanity, you know, why would I want to do that? But, you know, those are the kind of things that happened to me when I was drinking. And I can remember, you know, we had gone to Las Vegas. I thought it was a good idea. And uh, I guess she did too for six months. So, I had enough intelligence not to move in with her little sister when she asked. Because even I thought going to Thanksgiving with the, the older sister and Christmas with the younger sister was pushing it a bit far. <laughs> but, you know, that's the kind of turmoil, the kind of craziness that was in my life. And, you know, I was just, you know, you hear it all the time, sick and tired of being sick and tired. And quitting drinking was just the easier, softer way. I just wanted it to be easy. You know, I didn't, I was tired of fighting. And, you know, I, I came into the program and my, um, my sponsor, you know, he was, he was one of these big book, book thumpers, you know, and so of course we worked the steps. And I can remember my life started to get better. And by the time we got to the 10th step, my life was pretty good. You know, I was making money, I had, my own car, you know, and I was sober. And I really thought that was enough in life. I mean, look at what I've done for you. This is my contribution to society is not drinking. You know, that, that's my contribution. That's enough. I don't want anybody to ask me for anything else. And... What happened was, I got dragged into being the head of PI, Public Information out in the Inland Valley. And, um, you know, I'd go around to all these schools, and I'd have to talk. And, uh, you know, I can, my favorite, uh, there was a couple times that were really great. One was, um, I went to a, a middle school in Moreno Valley. And the sixth graders, they all were thinking they were tough, tough little thugs, you know? But the week before, I'd been out of high school in Rubidoux with the real thugs who are in class with their, wife, their girlfriends and babies, and they were paying attention and kind and courteous. And these little punks were, you know, going off and off. And all I could think about is, see you in a few years. You know, and you know, public information is a two-year commitment. I thought, you know, two years—that's that, a little excessive. And so I did it twice. You, you mentioned about exercising. Well, you know, everything I do, I do to excess. 
And um, my, I can remember in my second um, term, I had gone out to a college and um, I was speaking at this college and I told the kids, you know, that I was an alcoholic. I didn't drink alcohol. I hear all their minds shut off just like that. You know, so I thought I'd do the 20 questions. We heard that mentioned before. I mean, these, these people are smart, you know, college students. They're smart. They know they can miss six and get a seat and still pass. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't really work out, you know, especially, you know, if you miss one you, you, and you're up to you two, you're, it's over. And, you know, I, I enjoyed that. I used to, um, I used to um, always show up in a real nice, expensive suit because I was into money, property, and prestige because it made me feel like I was worth something. And remember, I only went through the ninth step. So, you know, I was still underdeveloped in my sobriety. And there's, in my opinion, there's a difference between sober and sobriety. And, you know, being sober at the time was enough. You know, this outfit puts a big premium on staying sober. But it got to the point where I wanted more. More money, more property, more prestige. And that's what I went for. And, you know, I got it. I, I had nice new houses. I, you know, I, I had only bought new houses because they were clean. And... I, you know, had new cars. I mean, obsessive. I had three new cars. You know, my insurance company sent me a letter saying, sign here to prove that you're not, you know, running these cars for other people to drive. I'm like, what are you talking about? No one drives my cars with me. But what happened was, eventually, that wasn't fulfilling the hole in me. And I started, I was started dating my now wife. In fact, you know, Les has been trying to get me here on Friday night and uh, she's a member of this program and she has an A request that I take her out to dinner on a date night every Friday night. Well, I'm not gonna turn down an A request, you know, especially from my wife. And so that's why we have a hard, I have a hard time getting here, but she's been gone this month back east she she's got two grandkids she spends about four months out of the year back there and she's coming home tomorrow so i'm really excited to have her come home you know i i cleaned the house you know i painted the lawn i no i'm serious i painted the lawn because i live in claremont you're not allowed to water there and so i'm out there with my little green paint you know, and I paint that lawn, and it looks great, you know? And, uh, but, you know, I'm of service to my family now. And how that came about was, when I met, when I met her, she, she was um, living in a condo, and she had two kids and a deadbeat ex-husband. And I knew all about that because I had been there. You know, I had been that deadbeat ex-husband. And um, what happened was we started dating and then we got married. And all of a sudden the money, the property and the prestige weren't important because I had to give up 
the Escalade. I had to give up the Corvette, you know? And because I couldn't afford a house in Claremont and those cars. And what I learned was I didn't need that because at the same time, she wanted me to start going to an 11-step meeting with her on Sunday morning. And that's a meditation meeting. We meditate. And, um, you know, a friend of mine says, you know, meditation is great. He meditates 15 minutes every morning. And it helps him to deal with being 15 minutes late for everything all day long. <laughs> but what happened was, going there with her, you know, slowly it started to change. And... You know, I, I had worked up to the ninth step, so I, I needed to, you know, do the tenth step, you know, daily inventory. And I, and I had been avoiding that. I avoided that because I didn't want to have to look back on my actions during that day. And what I mean by that is, I've said this before, is that, you know, I would go in to a grocery store and I'd buy a few items, I'd be in the 10, 15 items or fewer line, and someone ahead of me would be, uh, have 18 items. And I'm like, is that, eight, 12, or is that one item, you know? I mean, a bag of apples, you know, I mean, bananas, how, how's that go? Is a box, is a box of power bars, is that one box or is that 12? I found out that's 12, and a case of soda is one. You know, but you know, I throw a little fit, and then at night I'd have to do all these mental gymnastics to everybody that was saw me. I had to work it out in my mind where I was right, and that took a lot of work. And what I found out is keep my mouth shut. Two things, it makes it easier to go to bed at night because I don't have to do all that mental work. And two, I don't get out of the store one second earlier making an idiot out of myself. <laughs> now another problem I have is cars, driving. You know, I like to drive fast. I don't think I drive dangerously, but I like to drive fast. But what I've learned is it doesn't matter if I'm doing 80 or 60, I still get to work. You know, and I'm, I'm obsessive compulsive. I, I mean, I gotta be at work at 10 o'clock, three days a week, only because my wife works at home. She doesn't want me home all the time. And that's the truth. And uh, so I get there an hour early. I mean, I could go 10 miles an hour probably and get to work on time. And what I've found by driving a little bit nicer on the freeways is I don't have that mill hangover from driving poorly. Because I can go down the 210 and do something stupid, weave in and out, and then get on the 15 and all those cars are gone. And the people on the 15 don't know I was driving like an idiot on the 210, but I do. And I feel bad. And I have found that I don't like to feel bad. That's why I drink. You know, I want to feel good. And so I've changed my actions. And by changing my actions, my life has gotten better. And, you know, 
my sponsor, you know, gave me this phrase. I want to live happy, joyous, and free with a higher degree of mental comfortability. And that, that's, that's my little byline. Happy, joyous, and free with a higher degree of mental comfortability. And, you know, I think about that a lot because I want to be comfortable in my own skin. And what's happened is, by doing the 10th step, it allowed me to work on the 11th step because they number them for the intellectuals. And um, slowly, my relationship with God has gotten better. Right? It goes up and down, but it's slowly gotten better. I'm to the point where, like I said earlier, I now admit that you know there is a God. And I too don't want to, you know, Religion just drives me crazy, you know. I mean, my dad was a preacher, and he left my mother with five kids, you know. And what kind of preacher would do? And I could come up with a million excuses for why I didn't like religion. And it didn't matter. I mean, Southern Baptists, you know, that's what they were. And you know why Southern Baptists don't make love standing up? Might lead to dancing. I mean, you know, that's. That, that, you know, it's like they make up excuses not to have fun, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm like, that didn't make any sense to me. So, I would work on my 11th step. I would meditate. And the group meditation was really great. I really enjoyed it. And what that did was that allowed me the 12th step. You know, and, and that's that's what I really am interested in, is in a spiritual awakening. Now, I'm really glad it doesn't say a religious awakening, because that's not going to happen, you know. But a spiritual awakening has an opportunity. And in my life, I've grown more comfortable with myself. And, you know, I... I like I said, I have had the same sponsor my entire sobriety. I am current with him. I call him every Tuesday and every Thursday at 7.20. I mean, I literally set the alarm. And it doesn't matter whether I'm working out, whether I'm walking the dogs, having, um, you know, breakfast or anything. I stop whatever I'm doing when that alarm goes off and I call him. And you know what? Sometimes he doesn't answer. <laughs> and that's okay. I, I don't even leave a message. I text him. Good morning. I love you, David. And, you know, what he does with that is his business. And I know he loves me. You know, he's, he's watched me do a lot in life. You know, I mean, my life's changed tremendously. But, you know... We also have a sister program, Al-Anon, and um, that's where I met Les. And I know there's an AA meeting, but you know, they really complement each other. And because I was trying to deal with my problems with tools that, you know, like a left-handed screwdriver, a chainsaw with no, no chain on it, you know, a lawnmower and no lawn to mow, you know, and 
these are all tools that I acquired from my parents. Even though I never really lived with active alcoholism, they did. My grandfather. That's why, they, remember I told you, they moved out of uh, Texas and to Arizona to get away from him. So they had developed these tools and techniques and they so kindly passed them on to me. And I have been able to find in Al-Anon new tools and new techniques that complement my sobriety. And this is the difference between David sober and David with sobriety. Is that sober, I'm like, I've done enough. I'm not drinking. Are you happy now? And with sobriety, I feel like I'm happy now. And that's what I want to be. Happy, joyous, and free with a higher degree of mental comfortability. And I get that on a daily reprieve. As Les texts me every morning, the great exchange, my will for his. And you know, I, I, I have found a true friend in Lex, uh, Les. We, we meet every Monday and we have dinner. And um, I, I sneak half of it to his dogs. They love me. <laughs> and uh, the, um, the life I live now is beyond my wildest dreams. I don't know how long I'm supposed to talk, but you know, you've been a really good crowd here tonight. So I'm going to let you off early. Because I've really said about all I really need to say. You know, so thank you. Thank you, Thank you. I'm less alcoholic. Let's give Dave a hand. David a hand. And Dana. And Fernando and Carlo for putting this together. Lisa. Okay, Robert, where are you? Robert. Oh, we're, we're going to give away a couple of things here. All right, this is, we got a, we have a God box here. Donated to the central office. And we got it. Go ahead, you pull, I'm not touching those tickets. You pick it this time. No, 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 you take it. Take it. Just pull, pull it out. Lisa. Okay. You do it. What if I pull the ticket that I win that I'm going to be throwing tomatoes at me? Well, you'll need this. That's money. Ooh, there's money in here. I'm going to pull that. It's fixed. Okay, last four numbers. Six, nine, four, five. Six, nine, four, five. Last four. Six, nine, four, five. Watch, it's mine. I just... Oh, no. Nope, it's not mine. It's not mine either. Six, nine, four, five. Somebody's got it. Somebody look. Oh, yeah, they had to leave early. Oh, okay. Pick another. Let's pick another. Okay, pick another one. Must be present win. Must be present win. Ah, that's right. Okay. Six, nine, four, one. That's 
you just picked that one? No, it's this one here. Got a winner! Oh, okay. Got a winner! 6941! Come on up! Yay! That's a good one. A God Box, that's awesome. A God, a God box. box. This was donated to the central inside. office, uh -huh. and inside there, there's some stuff too. Oh my you know how you use that, right? Can I keep my winning ticket? Yes, yet? you can. <laughs> I'll plaque yeah. and put it in a frame. Thank you. You're welcome. Right on. All right. Another one. Pull well, another one. Okay, six eight eight zero. That's a later one this evening. Six eight eight zero. Do, do you? Nope. No. 6880. Nope. Pick another. Everybody left. All right. 6916. I got 6916. Okay. You, you can have your pick here. Does anybody need a 12 and 12? Anybody need a 12 and 12? Okay, we'll save it next time or okay. pull another ticket. Go ahead. That's a special 12 and 12. 626940. 940. Oh. She has it? Wait, she won last time. Good job. Wow. Where? So, winner. <laughs> Yay. Wow. Oh, boy. Does anybody here want need a big book? It's a, a replica of the of the red book. Who wants it? Yeah. This is a. You know, oh, I'll take it. All right. I'm your grapevine rep. Two years, fifty-eight bucks. There's a lot. Lie on of a mission. The girl he kissed was not his girlfriend. Oh boy, what do we do now? Anyway, <laughs> coming back, members shared powerful stories about about uh, the hell of drinking again and what helped them them to stay. Special adept, ad, ad, special selection uh, on relapse. If anybody wants this, it's meeting in the print. Pretty good. Oh, you do. Oh, you have you have a grapevine yeah, meeting Thursday at five o'clock. That's, good. That's All right. a good one. I read that. Yeah. All right. Thursday at five o'clock at uh, Foothills Church. Okay, the seventieth annual Southern California Convention. The, the hotels are filling up fast, so if you're going to go, you need to send in the stuff. Send in your forms because you, you won't be able to get a place if you're going to stay there. 
in the banquet and all those uh, uh, for Al-Anon and banquet for AA, or those tickets are going to be sold out. Okay, so with that, uh, they still want the locals to show up though and register for the day. Yes. Even if they're sold out, we can still support by showing up and registering for the day and and going to the marathon meetings and fellowship and stuff. Hang out by the pool. Bring your Why not? All right. I'd like to thank everybody for bringing, showing up and bringing stuff. If you're going to bring something next week, just uh, get with uh, Fernando or or me after the meeting so we can write it down. And with that, let me see here. Uh, Chris, you want to come up and, and read the promises and praise out of here? Oh, it's okay. Dogs allowed. Chris, alcoholic. Chris, alcoholic. Come on. Sit down. The promise is, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we are halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door upon it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we've gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude now look upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize God's doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We they are being fulfilled amongst us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. After a moment of silence for the alcoholic that still suffers in and out of these rooms and the innocent children caught in the crossfire, please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Whose Father? Our Father. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. 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 Amen.